I want to begin with a question. Have you noticed that the best things in life are only achieved through hard work? Have you noticed that? Why do so many things, good things, require so much hard work? Have you noticed that having a healthy body is hard work? Come on, how many know that? I mean, losing weight is hard work. How many know it's easier to pick it up than it is to lose it? That's why there's one million weight loss programs. South Beach, Up Beach, Down Beach, Around the Beach. Come on, it's all, help you lose some weight. Eating healthy is hard work. Fast food is everywhere. Fried food is everywhere. And doing the fast, I notice fast food everywhere. Come on, somebody. Exercising is hard work. It's hard work to exercise. Getting on a budget, staying on a budget, it's hard work. A couple of weeks ago, Tiffany and I worked on our 2024 budget. That's hard work. It's a lot of work. Keeping a house clean with kids is hard work. Some of you got little kids, and you think when they get older, it's going to be easier. No, it's still hard work. How many of you know that relationships are hard work? Having a good marriage, that's hard work. Tiffany and I have been married for 26 years. We've had great seasons, and we've had some bad seasons. It's hard work to be married a long time. It's even harder to be married a long time and to have a God-honoring marriage. It's hard work. Parenting. It's hard work. It's a lot of work to raise kids who love the Lord in this crazy world. Having relationships with some of your family members is hard work. Come on, some of them are coming to your mind right now. Some grandparents, some, some uncles, some, some aunts, some, some cousins, some in-laws. It's, it's hard work. Dating. It's hard work in them dating streets right now. It's hard work. Friendships are hard work. It's a lot of work to have good friendships. Just look at your neighbor. Come on, look at him right in the eyes and tell him, you're a lot of work. Go ahead and tell him, yeah. You're a lot of work. Yes. Now, now look at your second choice. Look at your second choice and say, I didn't talk to you first because, child, you're double the work. Go ahead and tell him, you're, yeah, you're double the work. My goodness. It's work. It's work. And because relationships are so hard, a lot of people have given up on them. I'm talking about Christian people have given up on relationships. I hear Christians say things like, I love God, but I don't do much with God's people. <laughs> they, they, they think they're just fine all by themselves. I hear Christians say things like, well, I'm better off in life if I just spend time with me, myself, and I. All I need is me and Jesus. Me and Jesus are a good team. Me and Jesus are good enough. I don't need anyone else. But church, here's the interesting thing. The Bible lets us know that the first problem in your Bible was not a sin problem. It was a solitude problem. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the earth, he said, it is good six times. Once he even said, it is very good. Everything God created was good. And before sin ever entered the world, God said there was one thing that wasn't good. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. The, this man, Adam, he had God himself as his best friend. He lived in a perfect environment. There was no sin in the earth, but God knew that he wired the man for relationship. And that's, that's not just true for Adam. That's true for you and me. It's true for every single human being. We all need relationships. It's not good for us to be alone because when we're isolated, our mental health declines. Worry, stress, depression, anxiety all increase when we live isolated lives. It's not good for you to be alone because people who have Good friendships live longer. You want to live a long life? Better get you some friends. It's not good for you to be alone because the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your relationships. I'm an introvert. My personality type, I'm an introvert. I don't require a lot of friends. But my personality doesn't negate the truth of God's word that I need friendships. And my friendships mean the world to me. My life is richer because of the relationships I have, not only with my wife, my kids, but also with my friends. I thank God for my small group. I thank God for my friends. And church, no matter your personality type, you need friendships. You need relationships. And today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about Ruth and her relationship with Naomi. If you have your Bible, turn to Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. I want to talk to you just for a moment about verse three through six. The Bible lets us know that Naomi and her husband, they had two sons. Naomi's husband died, and she was a single mom with two sons. Her sons married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. Ten years later, the two sons they died. Ruth and Naomi, they had some reasons on why they shouldn't maintain their relationship. And, and I want us to glean some insight from this story. I want to share three things that keep you from owning the building and maintaining of your relationships. Come on, my note taker, take some note. Three things that will keep you from owning, building, and maintaining your relationships. And the first is this, pain. Write that down, pain. Naomi, Ruth, Orpah, they were experiencing intense pain. They were experiencing emotional pain due to the loss of their husbands. I can only imagine their grief. Naomi has now lost her husband, has lost her two sons. Ruth and Orpah lost their husband and their brother-in-law. If there was ever three people, who had a legitimate excuse to isolate these, themselves. It was, it was these three ladies had an ex, just a legitimate reason to avoid relationships because they were in pain. Pain has a way of driving us into isolation. When we're hurting, we tend to hide. When we're in pain, come on, this is what some of you do. You come to church late and dash right out the door, right after service, just... Hope nobody sees you. Mad at somebody trying to shake your hand. And if you're not careful, pain will drive you away from the relationships you need the most. Even when you're in pain, it's not good for you to be alone. 
Number two, number two, number two. Problems. Problems. Naomi, Ruth, Orpah's world was turned upside down when their husbands died. That they didn't just lose their husbands, but they lost their income. These men worked and they provided for their families. And these ladies didn't know how they were going to pay the bills. They didn't know how they were going to buy food. They had some serious problems. And when people are overwhelmed with problems, they tend to pull away from their friendships. They isolate themselves. Question. Think about it. Have you isolated yourself because of your problems? You're tired, weary overwhelmed, maybe even a little embarrassed, and so you just don't want to deal with people. But even with problems, it's not good for you to be alone. Let me give you the third reason we don't own building and maintaining relationships. Number three, people. You got pain, you got problems, and you got people. And I know Ruth's mother-in-law wasn't perfect. Naomi was not perfect. She made some mistakes in their relationship. Maybe one day Naomi crossed the line and started meddling in Ruth's marital business and marital tension with her husband, trying to help her baby boy out. Maybe one year Naomi forgot to buy Ruth a birthday gift. I'm sure Ruth has some good reasons on why she shouldn't maintain a relationship with Naomi now that her husband was dead. And one of the biggest reasons we don't build or maintain relationships with people is because people are flawed. How many of you know that people will hurt you? People are flawed. People will frustrate you. Get on your nerves. As my mama said, get on your last nerve. People will irritate you, make you mad. Come on, how many know that people can be goofy and unreliable? Come on, help your pastor. Lift your hand if you know any weird people. Let's lift your hand if you know any weird people. Yeah, if you know any weird people. Now, now look around if somebody don't have their hand lifted. That's another sermon. I don't have time to preach on that one right now. I don't have time to preach that one. Some of you are not owning your relationships because you're sick and tired of people. You don't have any close friends because people have hurt you. You're not getting connected at people's church because someone disappointed you or broke your trust. And even though people can be weird and goofy, God said, it's not good for you to be alone. You still need people. Here's what I want to do, church. I want to help us. I want to give you four lessons you learn from Ruth on how to own your friendships, own your relationships. Four lessons you learn from Ruth. Number one is this, press through pain. Press through pain. Let's look at, it, look, look at it together. If you have your Bible open, look with me in Ruth chapter number one, verse number eight. If you don't have a Bible, it'll show up on the screen there. Notice this. It says, then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We'll go back with you to your people. These two daughter-in-laws were pressing through some unbelievable, gut-riching pain. They were weeping, wailing, weeping aloud, and they said, No, we want to go with you. 
to own our friendships, we have to press through pain. Here's what I know about life. In life, pain is unavoidable. You will have personal pain. You will have people pain. But even when you're going through physical, emotional, or mental pain, you need relationships. When your heart is broken, when you're grieving, when you're hurting, you need relationships. People will disappoint you. They'll let you down. They'll get on your nerves. They'll make you mad. But you still need relationships. Listen, church, after 21 years of pastoring People's Church and dealing with all, all, all types of people, I've learned to develop thick skin and yet maintain a tender heart. I refuse to become jaded towards people or to stop loving people and believing the best about people and building relationships with people. Church, you have to press through pain to own your relationships because it's not good for us to be alone. Number two is this. Write this down. What is, what's the lesson we learned from Ruth? Number two. Be committed. Be committed. Notice the, the very next verse after Naomi has told the girls to go back to their home, to leave her. Verse 11 says this, but Naomi said, and, and the girls said, to, remember, remember, the girls said, no, we want to go with you. We want to go with you in verse 10. And so in verse number 11, Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could, who, 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 who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old. I'm an old woman. Too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to, to, to sons, would you wait for them jokers to grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud, and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. She said, I think I'm going to go ahead and leave. <laughs> but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. When you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Orpah was like, you know what, Naomi, you right. You old, you ain't gonna have no more sons. I'm not waiting around. I'm trying to get married in a year or two. I'm trying to have me some kids. And I don't blame her, I don't blame her. They were all in pain and Naomi was bitter. But Ruth clung to Naomi. She was committed to her even though it was a tough season. When we own our relationships, we are committed during tough seasons. We're committed during bad, we're committed during bad seasons, church. Relationships are hard work. Marriage is hard work. 
Parenting is hard work. Family relationships are hard work. Church relationships are hard work. Friendships are hard work. So God-honoring relationships require a clinging. They require being committed to one another. We have to be committed to one another even when we get offended. Be committed when someone disagrees with us. Be committed when you see someone's humanity. And if you get close enough to people, you will see their humanity. You will see their flaws. You will see their issues. Be committed even though they have a different culture and perspective than you. Be committed in 2024 during this upcoming election season. I've seen people walk away from their own family over an election. They leave their friends, they leave their church, and oh God, may we have the character of Christ and be committed to our relationships. I'm reminded what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 2 as he was writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing. Come on, everybody shout bearing. Bearing with one another in love. Ruth models this for us so well. Naomi was bitter. She was a little angry at God. She told Ruth multiple times to leave. Go back to your family. I don't need you in my life. But Ruth was patient with her. She was bearing with her. Relationships aren't all about us. It's not always about what we can get out of the relationship. Sometimes it's about what we can give. It's about how we can be there for someone when they're hurting, bitter, lonely, confused, scared, even angry. You have to make up in your mind that you're going to bear with people. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul wrote to the church at Colossians. He said, bear with each other. Come on, everybody shout, bear Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bearing with people will require you to forgive them. People will hurt you. They will disappoint you. They will let you down. But we're called to forgive and to bear with each other. Come on, just look at your neighbor right now. Look him right in the eyes and say, I guess I'll put up with you a little longer. Go ahead and tell him, yeah. Yeah, I guess I will. Pastor's preaching. I guess I'll... Guess I'll put up with you just a little long. Another month or two. You got another month or two. Number three. Number three. How do we own it? How do we own it? How do we own our, our relationships? Number three. Write this down. Have realistic expectations. Have realistic expectations. We can learn so much from Ruth about having realistic expectations when we examine her relationship with Naomi. Think about it, church. Ruth knew Naomi was bitter and angry with God. She knew that Naomi didn't want to get remarried. She knew she didn't want to have no more children. She knew Naomi was relocating. She knew their relationship would look different now that her husband and Naomi's son was dead. I'm sure she knew that when she got remarried to another man, it could create some challenges in their relationship. Ruth had some realistic expectations when she clung to her relationship with Naomi. She was committed to their friendship during this new season. And one of the reasons people stop owning their relationships is because so many people have unrealistic expectations of people. 
and unrealistic expectations lead to frustration. Unchecked frustration leads to people not owning their relationships. Let me give you some realistic expectations about people. I'm getting ready to help you out. Write this down. Let me help you. Let me give you some realistic expectations about people. Number one is this. People are crazy. Yeah, nobody ever taught you that the pastor's going to help. People are crazy. And if you don't think you're crazy, you're doubly crazy. All of us got a little crazy in us. Crazy behaviors, crazy habits, crazy routines. Like, like one of my crazies, I, I fluff my pillow every night. I get my pillow, I shake it, I push it, shake it again, wrap the pillowcase around. If you looked at watch me with my pillow, you'd be like, what is wrong with pastor? You got some crazy habits. Anybody like your pastor? I go to the restaurant, I order the same thing at the restaurant every time. Anybody else like me? You get the same thing. Mr. Cooper, he's like a menu. I don't need no menu. I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm not adventurous like, ooh, pastor, I know you're adventurous. No, I'm not. Nothing adventurous about me. I'm quirky. Eat the same thing everywhere I go. We all got a little crazy in us. Let me give you the second thing. I want to help you. You got unrealistic expectations about people. It's frustrating you. Let me give, me, let me give you the second. Realistic expectations about people. People will hurt you and disappoint you. If you think otherwise, you have unrealistic expectations. Here's what I've learned about people. It's going to set you free. I think this will help you have the right expectations of them. Most people have good hearts, but bad practices. Most people were never taught or never saw modeled for them in a healthy way how to deal with trauma, how to deal with pain. Most people never taught how to deal with loss, grief, disappointment. Most people were never taught, never saw modeled for them how to handle setbacks, and anger. So they react in a way that isn't helpful. It is not helpful to them or to their relationships. And when you see somebody that reacts in a way that's not helpful to them or their relationships, you just got to realize you probably don't know no better. I'm going to love you. I'm going I'm to walk with you. I'm going to bear with you. Let me give you the third. Let me give you the third realistic expectations about people. Relationships go through different seasons. So you have to show grace. You got to show love. You got to show commitment. My wife and I, we're not the same people we were when we, we got married at 20, 22 and 20. We were different. It's a different season of life. Kids, different season. And Ruth and Naomi, they were going through a new season. And Ruth said, Naomi, we're going through a new season, but I'm committed to you. I'm clinging to you. I'm not giving up on our relationship in church. You have to have realistic expectations or you won't own building and maintaining your relationships. Let me give you number four, number four, number four, number four. The fourth point, how do you own building and maintaining relationships? Here's what you got to know. God's plan for your life is connected to people. One of the amazing things about this story and really the story of the Bible is when people stay connected to people, they fulfill God's plan for their life because Ruth stayed committed and connected to Naomi and she went with her to her homeland. She met and married a man named Boaz. Mm. Mm. Ruth found her Boaz. Come on, single people. Mm. Mm, I don't got time to preach it today, mm, but God's got your Boaz. Glory to God. She met and married Boaz. 
And because she met and married Boaz because she followed Naomi, her and Boaz had a son named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David, the man after God's own heart, who had a son named Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. 28 generations after David, our Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ was born from the lineage of Ruth and Boaz because Ruth said, Naomi, it's a new season, but I'm clinging to you. And she met Boaz and out of that lineage came Jesus. And here's what you got to know. Yes, because Ruth stayed connected to Naomi. She lived out God's plan for her life. And God's plan for your life is always connected to people. It's not good for you to be alone because you can't live out God's purpose for your life all by yourself. Even Jesus needed people to fulfill his purpose. Jesus chose 12 disciples. He chose 12 close friends to do life with. Jesus knew his purpose was connected to people. Church, hear your pastor. This is what burdened my heart this week. I wonder how many of you are missing out on God moments, God opportunities, open doors, your divine destiny and purpose because you're not connected and committed to people. You need people to fulfill your God-given purpose. As your pastor, I don't like preaching to your Sundays. I want to preach to your Mondays. So let me give you some quick application, quick, quick application, three application points, three applications. I want you to live this out, live this out, three, live this out. Here's the first application. Number one, be committed to your family. Own it. Love your family. Build relationship with your family. Invest in them. Forgive your family. Work through problems with your family. Don't wait on them. Well, I don't, I'm waiting on them. You don't know what they did. You don't know what my wife did. You don't know what my husband did. You don't, you don't, no! Stop complaining. That's week one. Stop blaming. Own it. Own it. Own building a relationship with your kids. Own it. Well, Pastor, my kids are grown. My mama used to say trifling. Grown and trifling. I still don't know what that means. I better quit preaching it. Even if they're trifling, own it. Build a relationship. Invest in your marriage. Hey, hey, church, get signed up. And get to the marriage conference on February 25th. Well, I just don't go to the marriage conference. I just don't do that. I went one time four years ago. Listen, you got to own it. Own investing in your marriage. Get to the marriage conference. Like, own it. Invest in your family. Second application, be committed to your friends. Own it. Love your friends. Build relationships with them. Invest in your friendships. Forgive your friends. Own it. Well, pastor, I just don't have any friends. God just hadn't blessed me. No, you got to own it. Go make you some friends. Initiate it. Quit waiting. Get in a small group. There's one for you. Own your relationships. Own building and maintaining friendships. Own it. Number three, third application. Be committed to your church family. Be committed. There is no perfect church. If there was and you showed up, it's not perfect anymore. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect church. I'm just telling you. Love your church family. Build relationships. Invest in them. Forgive them. Own your relationships. Well, pastor, I, just, I, I would own my relationships. I just don't know anybody at the church. 
I just can't make friends. No, own it. Take the initiative. Well, pastor, the church is just too big. No, you have to own it. Don't blame the church. Own it. Show initiative. There's a small group that's for you. You got to own it. There's one for you. You say, Pastor, I look through the small groups. I'm going to look through them on Thursday. I'm telling you, the small group that I want is not there. Start one. Own it. Like quit complaining and blaming and own it. Lead one. Get to training today after the last service. Go on the small people search app. Click on small groups. Sign up for a training date that works for you. Own it. When small group launch next Sunday, church, would everybody, everybody get in a small group? Many of you lead a small group because it's not good for you to be alone. I close with our theme verse for this series. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling that's your job. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for your presence. Thanks for speaking to us. Thanks for having your way today. Thank you, God, that you're healing hearts. You're touching people. People are, are seeing, Lord, that they got to own it. They got to own it. I pray they would own family relationships, own friendships, own church relationships. Oh, God, I thank you right now by the power of your spirit for strengthening our church, strengthening our relationships, that they would honor you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. As eyes are still closed and heads are bowed, I'm talking to some people that are far away from God. I'm talking to some people that are not right with God. I'm talking to some people that you're not serving God because somebody hurt you. You're not living for God because somebody did you wrong. You're not, you're not living for God because some Christian that you thought they should love God and they did you wrong. Some of you are not serving God today because you, you, you went to a church and a pastor hurt you, a leader hurt you, a church person hurt you. And, and so you're now not following God and you're confusing God with people. No, God is not people. God's not people. Some of you today are not following God because your earthly father wasn't there for you. And we call God a father because he is one. But God is not like your earthly father. If your earthly father wasn't there for you, walked out and you didn't provide for you, can I tell you, God is a good father. He's a perfect father. He's a loving father. He's a kind father. He's a trustworthy father. You can lean on your heavenly father. He, don't, don't, don't confuse your earthly father with your heavenly father. And if you today need to get right with God, today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day to get right with God. God, as I count to three, if that's you, lift your hand up high in the air, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer to say yes to Jesus. Today's your day, sir. Ma'am, today's your day. It might be your first time here. Today's your day to get right with God. Have your sins forgiven. One, two, three. Just lift your hand high and say, Pastor, that's me. Just lift it high, lift it high, lift it high. That's it. That's it. Hands are going up. That's it. Come on, Midwest City. Come on, Northwest. Come on, Edmond. Come on, Indianapolis. Come on, online. Click the raise your hand button. Just keep lifting. Come on, Mabel Bassett. Lift your hand up high. Is there somebody else today? Just lift it high, lift it high, lift it high, lift it high, lift it high. That's it. That's it. I'm going to ask every hand that's lifted to pray this prayer with me. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. God's going to wash away your sins. Pray with me now, Heavenly Father. I turn from my sin and I turn my life over to Jesus. I confess Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. And Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me. I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to follow you the, the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.